Are you going to be glad you came to church today because it's going to be amazing? We have five people and we're just going to share with you. Five by Five Sundays are one of the favorite Sundays that happens in this house. It's where we ask five people to come and tell their story. You'll remember that last Sunday we started a, um, a series on changing atmospheres, changing climates, changing um, temperatures and, 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 and environments by the authority that God has invested in us. And we're continuing that series today. We, we used this as an illustration last week, and it will be continued. Oh, my goodness. Okay, here we go. Uh, this is our, this is our, uh, our box, our prison. Everybody that's going to speak today has, has at some point, some place in their life been in prison, and most of them will be talking about their prison experience. Not all of them, but most of them will. And uh, it's just a reminder in, in our journey together through this whole climate change series that we've all been there, but there is a way out. There's hope. And uh, so we do five-by-fives for a few reasons. First, there's great value in your story. The, it not only tells people something about who you are and where you come from, but it brings hope to others. They, they hear your story and they, they start to think, if God can do it for them, then he could do it for me. There's, there's amazing power in your story. Revelation chapter 12 tells about a war that goes on in heaven between Satan and the people of God. And, and there are three things that make the people of God strong and victorious. The first one is the power of the blood of Jesus that he shed when he died for us. The second is the, the story of God's faithfulness in our lives, the testimony that we tell. And the third is that there's a devotion, there's a faithfulness that comes out of our lives in that nothing mattered, not life nor death, just that they serve him wholeheartedly. There's power in your story. We, we do a five by five so that you can get to know the people that you sit beside. We sometimes sit and we look across the aisle and think, boy, that person's dressed so nice and they've got their hands raised and they look so peaceful. They must not have a problem in the world. Boy, do I ever wish I had their life. Then you discover that no, they haven't had an easy go of it. And the fact that they're worshiping Sunday after Sunday, despite all that's going on, despite all that has gone on, they're here. That's the miracle of it. They're here and they've got their hands lifted and they're looking to God and trusting God. I find that relationship goes deeper and respect goes up a level after every five by five. It's that, that kind of important Sunday. And finally, it's good for the people who will speak here this morning to know and to understand that their voice makes a difference. Now, I've asked some of these folks, and some of them have been in cardiac arrest ever since I asked them. They've, they've been just sweating at what, I don't have anything to say, I don't know what I'm going to say, I, I, nobody wants to hear my story, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Almost a year ago, I saw a couple standing over to the side here after the service, and they were waiting to speak to me. 
They told me that they had been here for a while but had never stayed around long enough to introduce themselves or get involved. She said, my mother would be very disappointed in me if she knew that I, I wasn't raised that way. And so immediately we got together and, and immediately I loved the fun that I saw in both of them. I loved the stories that they told about their work and their romance and their lives. And I just liked them and have had such a great time getting to know them. And now their beautiful little son Noah is here and he's just a delight. We, uh, we saw them one day and we were walking. I had Noah in front of me and we were just walking through a market and people were looking at Noah and then at his beautiful black face and then looking up and seeing my pale little white face and wondering what on earth was going on. But So I'm going to ask Naomi Fields to come and tell her story this morning. Noah may come with her. That's okay. I'm just going to get this so that every... There's some folks who can't hear well, and they'll be really mad if they miss your story. So get right in there. I moved from England in 2012. No, 15, thanks. In 2012, I decided that I needed to see Calgary before I made that decision. So in England, I work in a school, and we have vacation every six weeks. So I flew to Calgary every six weeks. My savings died. <laughs> During that time, I was working full-time. Then I got into uni, and I was uh, doing my education degree, so I started working part-time, studying full-time, traveling back and forth to Canada. Then my grandfather was diagnosed with cancer and died within a year. Then Gaff proposed, not a problem. <laughs> I said yes, but I was living in London, he was in Canada, and we decided to get married in Jamaica. there was a lot of planning to do then my sister was in a vehicle accident and they sent her home with a pelvic like a pelvic uh, fracture but they missed the bleed on her brain so she was a day away from dying and they airlifted her (laughs) come here buddy come here buddy Will 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 you go to me let's go this way We'll just stand here and look at mom. Yes, yes. So they airlifted her to hospital, and um, it was months and months of rehabilitation and everything else. I was still traveling back and forth to Canada and um, working and studying and being with my grandmother and everyone else. (laughs) Um, Then everything started to tailor off. I gave him my notice for work in May. Handed in my dissertation, got married in June, graduated in June, moved to Canada in July. Once I got through immigration, I realized that when you are supposed to be here, when you're supposed to go somewhere, God is behind you. Because mm-hmm. at that moment, how are you going to yes. keep going through? Your sister's practically dying, your granddad's died, your mom's sick. She doesn't want me to go, but she's not saying anything. I'm the eldest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I realized that I just had to give it to God. And that was all I could do. Now I'm here. So is Noah and Gareth. Five minutes, Yeah, you got, you're good. <laughs> Thank you. His, his soothers here. I first met this uh, next speaker 
when he was a student at Heritage Christian Academy. Debbie was teaching. I knew a few things about him, but then I lost track of him. He showed up here at the church later, and his story started to spill out. He's been one of our 5 by 5 speakers before, and the story back then was amazing. Earlier this year, in February, he left Calgary to go to Australia and do both work and travel. And we were in staff meeting one day when Eric read a text that Andrew Holem had written, and I knew we had to have him speak again at a 5 by 5 He's still in Australia, however, hoping that he'll come back next year. But via video, we have him speaking to you this morning. And mom, I just let you, need to let you know, you need to listen very carefully. He's going to drop a bomb here, so you just need to listen, okay? <laughs> here we go. Hi, C3 North Calgary. It's uh, Andrew, your favorite Canadian expat. Um, I'm here in the CBD of Melbourne, Australia, on the rooftop of where I'm staying. It's about 15 degrees Saturday morning, heading to the mountains later today, so it's going to be a beautiful day. Um, just giving a personal update and some stories about what God's been doing out here with me, through me, and everything. So. Starting with personal stuff, uh, as you all know, February this year, I moved to Australia, to Sydney. I flew from Calgary to San Fran, from San Fran to Sydney. 16-hour flight, don't recommend it. If you're going to come to Australia, slowly make your way over. 16 hours in one go is no fun. But uh, yeah, I moved from Sydney after about three and a half months to the Gold Coast in Queensland. Um, Although Sydney is beautiful and has amazing beaches, it gets cold in the winter. So I moved up to Queensland and spent my uh, winter time in 27 to 30 degree weather laying on a beach in Surfer's Paradise. And then moved to Melbourne about seven weeks ago, like at the very end of August. So uh, yeah, it's been just awesome experience. I've traveled up and down the East Coast. I've scuba-dived the Great Barrier Reef. I've climbed to the top of mountains, uh, went suntanning on remote beaches, remote islands, 20k off the coast, jumped out of an airplane. Uh, I'm heading to Adelaide in another month or two, going down to uh, cage dive with some great white sharks. Uh, sorry, Mom, didn't tell you that <laughs> yet. Uh, surprise! <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, um, the real reason why I'm doing this video is Pastor Bill asked me to share kind of what God's been doing out here with me, through me, so um, yeah, since I came to Melbourne, I was really honestly not in the greatest place, like kind of just questioning God of like, why am I here? Like, you sent me here, like there's just held on to this verse from... Uh, so will I by Hillsong and it's just if the wind goes where you send it so will I so I felt him call me to Australia so I'm here and I didn't know why and now I do so um, yeah I've just been meeting amazing people and like just stepping out of my comfort zone and just you know sharing faith um, I've met some amazing people shared God with them brought them to church like I actually had one Sunday where 
nine people from six different countries came to a church here in C3 Melbourne. It's just <laughs> small little place. And uh, yeah, we just all came in and so two people had never been to church. Three hadn't been in years. Um, the biggest takeaways from it have been two people. One girl named April, she's from New Zealand. She was, she was here on a vacation. She went back and she's actually moved back to Melbourne so far, well, in theory, permanently. Um, she just had, you know, a really rough upbringing and that kind of thing and just invited her to church and, you know, share the gospel with her. The message that day was perfect for where she was at. Like, it was a really God thing intervening. So that was really awesome. She's come to know God. It's been, yeah, crazy, crazy experience with her. Um, we started off, it was uh, with... My friend Brendan that I met right there at that <laughs> back table. Um, yeah, he just was in kind of a bad place, got a bunch of his stuff stolen and didn't have bank cards for a little bit. And I just kind of helped him out for a week, felt God call me to just, yeah, feed, feed the guy, give him some coffees, that kind of thing. Um, came to find out that he used to go to church, hadn't in years due to some problems that he had, uh, both personally and with the church. So, uh, but yeah, just bringing him back to a place where, you know, he loves God. Like, I've shared a room with him a bunch, and like, I've come home from work, and someone who hadn't been to church in five years is sitting down reading a Bible. It's been an awesome experience. Um, yeah, I finally feel like I know why I'm here so yeah um, yeah it's just quick update quick story I love you all I will see you at some point next year after I leave Australia go traveling through Asia and ride some elephants and eat scorpions and that kind of thing so uh, yeah love you miss you bye <laughs> When I knew him at Heritage Christian Academy, and you would have told me that he was going to be an evangelist who takes nine people to church, I don't know that I would have believed you. God takes us where he needs to take us to teach us the things we need to know. And that's just an amazing, amazing story. I love that story. Carla has been in our church for a few years now. The first real conversation that I can remember having with her was at our camp, and shortly after that, her cousin Breeza and I uh, met for breakfast with Carla, and uh, we were just trying to get to know each other a little bit better, and God showed up, and we just talked about her story and her pain and the power that God had to change her story. Since then, she's been on an incredible and difficult journey, working her way through the pain that was in her story. And she's very involved in serving in this house, serving in so many ways, and now she comes to tell you a little bit more of her story. So come on, Carla. You're, yes. So you're a sound person. You know how this works. So make sure that everybody hears. Can everyone hear me? Yes. Okay. So I started coming to C3 about seven years ago, back in early 2011. 
God had started to transform me from the minute I walked through those doors. But as Pastor Bill always tells me, we're like onions, that, and there are always more and more layers to peel back. Around Christmas time of 2013, there was an incident that happened outside of Walmart where a woman was yelling at me and saying some very vulgar things, and I couldn't defend myself. I just froze. My cousin Brisa was with me at the time, and I started asking her questions about why it might be that I couldn't say anything, and with her help and her insight, at this point I realized there was a childhood trauma there that I needed to face because it had not been dealt with for over 20 years. In January of 2014, I decided to seek counseling from Christian psychologist Dr. Randy Johnson. Between the abandonment of my father at the age of two and being sexually abused as a child, which as a side note, those were words I could not say before without bursting into tears. I was living life without knowing what my identity was or even what identity really meant. I used to attach my identity to what I did like school and getting good grades or to relationships. Around the same time I started counseling, there was a significant relationship of mine that had ended and left me shattered because I had attached my identity to someone who, had, who was now out of my life. Dr. Randy would give me a lot of homework that involved writing out what I felt. As I was preparing to tell my story today, I went through some of these journal entries of mine and found some of these quotes scattered throughout my writing that I'd like to share. I don't like being in group settings it feels awkward and as if I don't belong. I want to be invisible and nobody to notice me. My opinion does not matter. What I have to say is not important. I'm not good enough or worthy of being loved. I find it hard to smile because I feel so much pain. It still surprises me how much I can cry. The tears are limitless. I understand why people commit suicide. They don't see a way out. They don't see an end to their pain. So they feel their only option is death. And, they're, and they decide to put an end to their own pain. And lastly, I want to believe there is a bigger plan. But in all honesty, I don't fully believe it. My faith is weak and I'm losing hope. So these were all things that I wrote out about four years ago. And last week, Pastor Bill talked about traps. And as I was going through these old writings, I can see and remember how trapped I felt. Through my counseling sessions, help from the pastors and leaders at C3, my family, writing, and a lot of tears, I continued through the healing process. There were times I wanted to give up and didn't trust the process I was going through because it was so painful. But I have many people in my life who were always there to encourage me, and most of all, God, who gave me more strength to keep going. Dr. Randy would tell me to declare who I am in God, and I used to think it was so silly at the time and couldn't bring myself to do it. Now I have no problems doing it, and I am very confident of the person I am today. Come on. Yeah. As I continued working with Dr. Randy, I learned that I did have a voice and how to start using it. This doesn't mean I don't still struggle sometimes. The enemy will try to remind me of the past so he can trap me again. But God is more, imp God is more powerful, and his plans are so much bigger that come the on, enemy does not on. win. I have forgiven those who harmed me, and the things that happened to me do not define me. One of the first verses Pastor Bill told me to look over several years ago is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I feel like this is a constant 
in my life where no matter what I have gone through or what happens in my life, God will always take what the enemy tries to destroy me with and make, a strong, make me a stronger person with a louder voice. I don't necessarily feel like I am a different person than I was four years ago, but rather I am finally the person God always intended me to be. Yes, come on. I am the most authentic version of myself today than I have ever been, and I know this process of growth continues so God can release in me my full potential. I am God's child. I am valuable. I am worthy. I am loved. I have come influence. On, come on. I have potential, and I am who God says I am. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> I can't tell you how thrilled, no, don't put it away, because you're not done, you're not done by long shot here. I can't tell you how thrilled I am, because we've walked together for a lot of this, uh, this uh, journey, and for her to be able to stand here and proudly, loudly declare all that's gone on is amazing, and it just makes this pop a heart of mine, just about come out of my chest. I have a question for you. Um, there was a lot of stuff that happened, but how, how important is church in all of that for you? <laughs> <laughs> I would have never started, I don't think I even realized all the things that were keeping me down if it wasn't through church and Pastor Bill making me cry. <laughs> but church was the biggest thing without this place. I don't know if I'd be here today. So when I, when I stand up here and ask for your tithes and offerings, it's because there are Carlas out there that need a family. They need a place to come, a safe place where they can, at their own speed and at the speed that God brings them through, open up their heart, open up their life. And, uh, and now Carla has gone from being someone who needed safety to someone who provides safety for other people. She serves in a lot of areas. She serves in the sound room. She serves in uh, young adults. And uh, you may or may not know this, but she's our newest treasurer at the church here. And uh, so, Carla, you've, you've done so well. There's sin in my heart. I'm proud of you, just so proud of you. And uh, um, how many have been in my office and I've quoted Jeremiah 11, or 29, 11 to, okay? There's a few of you, yeah. I think we all get there sometime, okay? Carla, I want you to pray for people who feel like they're in a trap right now. You, you know what that feels like. I want you to pray that God will help them find the way out of the prison, okay? Okay? God, I thank you today for allowing me to speak up here and share my story. And I hope that it has touched any person who needed to hear this. And I ask that any person who feels trapped today, you encourage them and know that there is a way out. If you can do it for me, and yes, I know God. it was painful yes, and it was yes, long, God. but you can do it for anyone and every single person mm -hmm. here who feels mm -hmm. like they are in a trap today. Yes, the God. enemy has no power over you. Yes, God. You are Lord. more powerful. Yes, you are the yes, most Lord. high. And I ask you to please help those people yes, and release God. them from their traps because... You have much bigger plans for all of us, God. In Jesus' name, thank amen. you. Amen. 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 You did good. You did so good. Thank you. Thank you. Carla's mom, will you just stand so everybody can see who you are? There she is. Good to have her. As a result of Carla coming, her mom's come too, and that's been a, that's been a great thing. Didn't you love that story? Okay. Okay, get the Kleenex out for the next two, okay? 
It's been several years uh, since two sisters and their children started coming to this church. I knew something of who they were, but didn't really know that much about them at all. The one sister, Maria, her husband arrived here in the city, and because English was a new language to him, they went to a church for for a while that spoke their language. But then both families came back here, and I've been getting to know them so much better. Noemi Garcia, no relation to Carla, is a hero to me. Her story inspires me all the time, and I know that it will inspire you this morning. And she's one of the persons who's having cardiac arrest since I asked her. But you wait till you come on up. Will you welcome her, please? Now, you too are a sound person, so you need to be heard, okay? Make sure it's heard. My name is Noemi Garcia. I was born in El Salvador. I'm a single mom. I came to Canada in 2003 with my son. He was only three years old when I came. The first few years here were really hard, mostly because I didn't have any education or work experience from here. So finding a job was difficult. The first job I had was a cleaning job. I went from one job to another looking for something better. I struggled financially for many years. So even though I've been a Christian all my life, around this time I wasn't living a Christian life. I was heartbroken that my husband had been unfaithful, and I felt like I didn't belong to anyone anymore. In 2008, things got so much worse. I quit my job in a moment of anger. My finances were a mess, and my heart had been broken once again, and that pain was taking my attention away from my son. I was becoming my parents. That's when I first decided to return to God. I stopped dating altogether. I started tithing, which was difficult at the beginning because I didn't have much money. A year later, when the housing market went down, I was able to purchase my condo. In 2011, I was blessed with a bookkeeping job. This is the job I currently have. I enjoy my work and the people I work with. I've been financially stable for five years, and now I've been able to build my savings which was something that I was never able to do before. I think the hardest part of trusting Jesus is giving him full control of my life. As a single mom, I'm used to doing everything by myself. I've never had anyone to fall back on, so trusting and waiting on God to do what he has promised to do doesn't come easy to me. I want to take action. I want to fix things right away, but I've learned that when I try to give God a hand with my problems, I make a bigger mess. A few years back, I found a Bible verse that helped me accept my situation. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10. Here Paul says that he is living with some sort of pain or suffering. The Bible doesn't say what it is exactly. But Paul has begged the Lord three times to remove it from him. And the Lord has said no each time. This to me is hard to understand. Is the Lord being mean? And why is he being mean? I bet it was difficult for Paul to accept it because he ended up asking three times. The Lord gives Paul this explanation in verse 9. My grace is more than enough for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul goes on to say that he will rejoice in his weakness because that's when he feels the Lord's mighty power in him. This is where I am right now. I'm a work in progress, and right now he's demanding full control of my family situation. And again, this is not easy for me, 
but now I have a better understanding of what he is doing and who I am to him. He's told me that I'm not alone in this life and that I belong to him. The day I finally understood this, what this meant, I stopped wanting to belong to anyone else. <laughs> it did so well, so well. Is Miguel over here? Miguel, just stand so they know who the handsome guy is. That This is her son, Miguel. So proud of him, too. Um, pick up the mic, because I just have a couple of questions to ask you. Um, you dropped in tithing there, and I didn't pay you or ask you to say that. You just dropped it in there. So tell me what, what the difference was when that happened. Like, why, why is that such an important part? Well... I think the reason I have so many blessings is because I've tithed, right? Because before, when I wasn't faithful in my offerings to God, I was struggling. And um, one day I decided I wanted to tithe, and then all of a sudden, money just started to, like, I, to be able to pay everything. So I was able to pay everything. I had enough money for everything, and I didn't even have a better paying job. So <laughs> somehow things actually did work out, right? It yeah. doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't. But it does work. It does. So just one more story that I want you to tell. Uh, last New Year's, I asked for people to consider bringing a, a faith offering and just putting it in. T tell your story. So... Um, uh, 2016 was really hard for us. Uh, we, were, we were going, actually, through a family situation, so it was kind of hard, and I was um, in and out of work. Uh, I was barely at work. I was going to appointments, doctor's appointments, social worker appointments, uh, psychiatrist appointments, and I was, uh, some, like, at the end of December, I was two weeks in the hospital going back and forth, and just everything was there I, and if I was at work I was mostly in a boardroom on the phone like I was barely doing my work and um, January comes and uh, January is my uh, annual review and um, Pastor Bill sent out an email saying um, that every year he he would offer God something above his tithings and I said well let's see I'll, I'll do it hopefully God will bless me and I, my worry then was that I probably wasn't going to keep my job after my annual review because I was barely there that year. Um, when my, my review came, I, <laughs> the only thing, so usually for the reviews, I have to write all the things I've accomplished and how I've helped the company save money. That year, I, that day, I had nothing. All I had is a line that's saying, I will not continue my studies. I'm going to take a break. Because uh, work pays for my schooling. So uh, I walked in there and I said, I don't have anything to say. Um, this is, uh, this, this, I'm actually going to take a break, right? So my boss, like, she's like, we're going to give you a raise. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And um, so I've gone in sometimes with tons of things that I've done and accomplished. And I've probably, sometimes I've left without a raise. And sometimes I left with a small race. This was bigger than average race. <laughs> and I was amazed. And I'm like, okay. And then she went ahead and said, we know you've had a really hard year. And we are just so proud that your work did not struggle. Like, it was not affected at all. So. Not bad, eh? Not bad. Um, she's... 
she's a, an incredibly strong lady, and she's a bit of a quiet lady, and so I wanted you to know who she was, because um, my life has been enriched by knowing her and Miguel, and I want you to get to know her. Um, just a lot of wisdom, a lot of strength. Um, she doesn't give up, she doesn't quit, she just keeps going, and... Uh, we're very proud that she's part of our house and uh, very, very glad that she's part. So, Father, what you've begun, the good work that you've begun in her, it's only scratching the surface, and we're asking that you continue it till its completion. You know the desires of her heart. You know the desires of her son's heart. You know how they love you and want to serve you. And so, Father, we commit them to you and ask that you would honor and bless their efforts in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Go ahead. These are good, eh? I'm planning on taking five weeks off and just having these people come and take one Sunday each, and they could preach an amazing message, and, uh, and you will grow. One, of two, uh, one or two summers ago, I got an unusual call here uh, in the summer here at the church, a lady who had a foster home said that she had two young ladies who had recently arrived in her home. In the 40-plus years that she had been providing foster care, she had never had two like these two. When asked what they needed when they first arrived, they told her they only needed two things. First, we need a church, and second, we want to carry on our education. You will enjoy as Nosy comes to tell her story. Come on, Nosy. <laughs> so that's the real name. I need you to say it because I, I just say Nosy because that's all I can do. But you tell, give them the whole name. Uh, it's Nosy Kapfunde. Easy for her to say. Okay, tell us your story, kiddo. Okay, it started off when my parents separated. Um, we had to move in with my mom because we were two young girls, and that's the law back in my country in Zimbabwe. But my mom got recently uh, got into a relationship years later, and I was sexually abused by her boyfriend, and my dad had to take us back into his custody. A few years after that, my dad remarried, and that's when it all went downhill. Uh, my stepmom was really abusive. We barely went to school, my sister and I, we barely ate, and because my dad's job had him traveling around the world, we didn't have anyone to turn to. Um, 2013, I turned 13, that's when my dad had kid, uh, kidney failure and he passed away. Um, my sister and I didn't want to stay with my stepmom, and in that, we moved in with my mom. And in that saying, my stepmom then took everything that my dad had left for us, including funds for school, and property and everything, and she ran away, and she was nowhere to be found. So we're living with my mom, of which my mom was not financially stable at the time. She also had her issues with her recent husband, and she had two kids, and it was heavy for her to have my sister and I to move in with her. Um, we didn't go to school. I didn't go to school for three whole years living with her. Um, that's when my aunt, who is currently Fort McMurray, decided to take us in, sponsors to come here, we got here and living with her, it was perfect because I've never had a family actually sitting down at a dinner table and knowing what it felt to be in a normal house. So I enjoyed it. 
but because her husband's family has this traditional thing that you can't take care of your wife's kids or your wife's family. They have to be below you and your husband has to be above you. He was really abusive, um, not physically, but verbally. Um, his mom then came to Canada and she was the one who was like, send the kids back. We don't want them here. This is not acceptable. You can't be taking care of your wife's kids. Um, so my uncle decided to send us back right after my sister graduated. Um, so my sister had done social studies and she heard about this asylum thing in Canada. And because we knew that going back was not a good idea, my sister filled up all the forms. We did everything with all the extra money that we had. So we got to Calgary with my aunt. Uh, we just decided to run away from her. She looked for us, but we're like, nope, <laughs> goodbye. So we went to the immigration and we told them our story. And funny thing is that day, it was like a holiday for them. So we didn't have, they were like, we don't have anyone who works on your cases. But then my sister was bowling her eyes out. The guy was like, <laughs> we can't send you guys back. And then he was like, it's not us who's sending you back. Um, it's your parents because you guys' visas are still valid until this year. Um, so then he, they called social services. Everyone came in. We had evaluations. And then we were put into Donna's care, the lady who called the church. Wonderful lady. It's kind of weird living with a white person. <laughs> Never done that before, but it was a good experience because I love white people. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, um, Donna then, she asked us, she was like, what do you guys want? Because we were like really quiet and it was kind of awkward. Um, Jim was there, a husband who recently passed away. Um, then she called the church. She's like, I found you guys a church. I called them. They said they wanted to meet you. And then we came here for Sunday. And Norma just took us under her wing. She gave us a gift card first day here. It was touching. I and then we have Pastor Bill, Catherine and David, Pastor Debbie. We just had a lot of people that just took us under their wings. And it was a great experience. I'm country, uh, currently in school. My sister's working. I'm getting honor rolls every year. I'm in a dance team. And I'm doing sports. And I'm doing great. Come here. This is the sister. <laughs> so, remember when I said you look across the aisle and you see somebody and they're nicely dressed and you think, oh, they don't have very much problem. They don't have any difficulty, you know? And these two, I don't know that I've ever seen you not smile. <laughs> um... So here's, here's the question for you, okay? Let's just relive the story. Your mom and dad separate. Your mom's boyfriend, husband, um, boyfriend sexually abuses you. You go home to your dad who's remarried. His wife is abusive. 
dad dies. You're sent across. To, had you ever met the family in Fort McMurray? Had you ever known them before? Just barely knew them. So you go, what, what was the first winter in Fort McMurray like? <laughs> I was like, I want to go back. <laughs> you couldn't walk outside that house without gloves because your fingers were just like, I was like, no, this is not life. How are you guys living in Canada? <laughs> yeah, I need to move to Africa. <laughs> so we've come from Zimbabwe to to cold which month did what month did you arrive in Fort McMurray um, April okay so it was a little bit warm then yes and you didn't get to to winter till when oh. till October yeah after the I'm, fires I'm, oh you were there for the fires too oh nice and then we had the fires and I was like what <laughs> okay so things just keep piling up here okay then your uncle, who you've never met, decides he doesn't want you in his house anymore and that you have to get out. And you really don't have anywhere to go. You don't know anybody. And so you get to a city, and the first thing you ask for is, I need a church. I need a church. You'd think by that time, you'd think, maybe I don't want to do anything with this God at all, you know? But that's not these two. That's not who they are. Um, aren't you glad you know their story? When you see them come into church and uh, worship, you just know that God has to be real. You have, he has to be real. Uh, she's a speed runner, right? Yeah. Only when she's a what? <laughs> Only... <laughs> <laughs> another story, another time. Okay, okay. Um, they they have. Uh, oh, I, I forgot the one part. They moved in with Donna, this this lady who had the, uh, the the foster home, and you'd only been there for how long before he died? Five months. Five months. And one morning, he's just getting ready to go to work and has a heart attack, and he's gone. Just found dead. Okay. So. That's a lot of weight to put on two young, young ladies, and uh, we love having them here. I, there's something, when they walk through that door every Sunday, the, the place brightens up. The place brightens up. And uh, so uh, Norma's been excellent at just sort of adopting them and looking after them. She's our mom. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Norma, it's been pretty good having them too, hasn't it? Her life's been enriched. And uh, I think, didn't I get you to drive them home or something? No, that was somebody else. That was, uh, Olivia drove you home. Okay, okay. So we, we've, it, it's cool. It's just a great story. And uh, it gives you faith that, no matter where your prison is, you can get out. Right? Right. Let's pray together over these two. Father, we just thank you so very much for these two ladies and for the, the way that you have directed their steps. Father, this house is full of people who've been brought from all four corners of the world to this place. And it's for a purpose. 
you're unleashing, you're unleashing something powerful in our people that's going to affect lives throughout the city and I believe even as we were hearing from Andrew around the world. And so, Father, continue to do what you want to do in our house. Continue to raise the name of Jesus higher and higher. Continue to release the power of your Holy Spirit in people's lives. But I'm asking your blessing. I'm asking your direction. I thank you that these two have their own apartment right now and that you're helping them and that you're equipping them and that you're going to help them fulfill the dreams that you put in their hearts years and years ago. And, and we're just going to see so many good things. We're thankful for them. We're blessing them. We're honoring them and asking that you would just direct every step. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You did really good, kid. Really good. Really, really good. So aren't you glad you came to church today? You know them, you know five people better, you know their story. A uh, couple of things that I want you to do. <clears throat> uh, Alina, can you come and just uh, as we get ready to close down the service. A um, couple of things that I want you to do. Uh, there's always a fight to get up here and to tell the story. And then afterwards... There's always this slimy attack that comes and says, well, you didn't make any sense, and I, nobody understood what you were saying. And it was. So I want you to find two of the people. You can pick whatever two were, were helpful to you, but find two of them and let them know, either today or this week, how much they helped. And be specific. Say, you know, when you said this, that really touched me. That, that, unlock, that was a key to unlock the door in my life. Okay, and that that just shuts everything that the enemy says down. It just makes it a lie, you know. And you you can recognize it. And so that's the first thing. Find find two of those people. If if uh, if you want to talk to Andrew, uh, he's on my Facebook. You can go on there. Everybody's on my. You two aren't on my Facebook. Why aren't you on my Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> You might not have heard her. She said, Facebook is for old people. <laughs> I'm on Snapchat too. Goodness sakes. <laughs> oh, man. I want you to know we have fun in this house. We have a lot of fun. We love stories. Because they're helpful. They're helpful. I'm asking that you.